Praise the Lord that I can be able to um, preach here tonight. <clears throat> I really do praise the Lord. I, um, I do love preaching. And um, when I got asked to preach here, I remember I was, I was thinking of how I viewed this platform as a child. And um, it sort of gave me a few little nerves. But um, it didn't look that big in here when I come here. It was like, it's not that big, Dave. You'll be right. <laughs> so uh, let's just open in a word of prayer before we start. Lord, I do want to just um, ask you now, Lord, that you'll take over and that the spirit be working, Lord, within me, Lord, calming my nerves, Lord, and also being able to use me as an instrument, Lord, to proclaim the gospel and the truths within God's word, Lord. Lord, just um, help the hearts of those listening here tonight, too, that they'll be open um, and ready, Lord, to accept your word for what it is, Lord, and be able to apply it to lives, Lord. Lord, everything done and said here tonight, may it be done to your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> um, I was searching, <clears throat> uh, reading through um, Jude a couple of weeks ago, and I was reading about the um, false teachers that have had snuck into churches, and I was flipping through different epistles, and I was able to find so many epistles. We can look at Galatians and about how... Um, the gospel had been um, undermined, had been undermined, been changed, had added things to the gospel. And, and the prominence that's, that's been talking about in the scriptures, um, in, in um, Thessalonians and other places, it talks about how um, in the last days there will come false teachers. And I was thinking about false teachers and how this, um, how do the false, does the false teaching come into churches? How do we uh, enable um, men to stand in pulpits and be able to pro uh, just be able to twist scripture and be able to say things that aren't there and say things in a way that aren't glorifying to God. And I believe the, the, the underlo underlying, the main issue comes down to a false, perfect, um, um, a false, a false um, let's say, platform that we've allowed for this false teaching comes from um, uh, a, a false conception of who God is. A, a false a false view of our God and who he is. Um, when false teaching starts, it starts with first uh, a wrong um, a wrong concept of the facts. Um, if you look at um, anything that is taught, it comes from a fact and then it comes out in their teaching. You, you look at um, anything like mathematics, for instance, there's data collected upon data but it starts with the foundations of what you start with. Um, you even look at um, if an engineer was to start with a wrong con concept of, of, of the, the, let's say, the foundations or the, or the building materials he was using or whatever, um, it's going to result in the building being built wrong to the point of um, disaster. But it has to come, it came, comes down to, first of all, the wrong facts, the wrong um, foundation of what being taught. And we could say wrong concepts or the false teaching comes um, from wrong concepts of God, of, of ourselves, um, of sin, of the Lord Jesus, of a lot of things. But I believe the first part of where it starts is, is with God, with God himself and, and changing some way of who he is, not accepting the Bible for what it says about God and then being able to put in our own devices and then that becomes fact to them. And um, <clears throat> we, we can look at all these other concepts about ourselves or sin or the Lord Jesus, these other things, um, but it keeps coming back to God. And when you get a wrong view of God, if you take away 
the, um, the justice of God. You're actually left with a soft God. And our God's not soft. Our God's not soft. And that so often has happened, has come about these days, is taking away the justice of God. Um, if, you, if you take away the personality of God, of God being a person or his personality, you're left with a, a, a mathematical God that's just left for the scientists to do what they want to do with him. Um, God needs to be viewed from these words, from scripture, and needs to be just taken as that's the facts. God is who he is. Don't let him be someone else than other what the word, the word of God says. Now, I've, I've been studying the, um, the attributes of God in my in my um in my studies uh, my courses and we we got on to holiness and i just was i was just impressed with god's holiness god's holiness if we were to set it up we would set it up as holiness is god's king attribute but but it, it's hard to say that because if you set up holiness you actually have to grab love and put it up there with it you can't they're, they're inseparable um but holiness god's holiness i believe this is a, a key attribute of of who God is. Now, God's holiness um, is um, shown towards mankind through his justice, through his righteousness, through, through his, even his wrath upon mankind. It comes from his holiness, the, the who God is in his essence. God is holy. Um, now, <clears throat> the fact of God being holy would have been the Old Testament in, in essence. God is holy. It would have been a proclamation. Um, if God was anything, He is holy. You can look through the look through the um, like the laws, look through um, the, the feasts, and all these other things. And the concept of God's holiness is just out there as God is holy. Now, God's holiness in in Isaiah is actually stated. He he had the concept. It says the holy one. It actually says this thirty times in Isaiah. Um, he was able to, whether it was with a vision, uh, he was able to um, have a vision of, of God and heaven and, and they were able to show things and the only thing he could do was fall down before God saying, well, it was me, but he said God is holy. It was God's holiness that was the, the prominent thing about him and himself. Um, if you just turn to Job in chapter 34, Job chapter 34, Job chapter 34 and verse 10. This is, this is just a, a proclamation of, um, of God's holiness. Now, verse 10, it says, Therefore hearken unto me, ye men of understanding. Be it far from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. Um, holiness, in essence, is God, God's inability to sin. God is far from iniquity. There is nothing about sin within God. God is far from it. But looking at the Hebrew word for holy being Godesh, which actually means sacred or set apart, it actually takes it away from just the inability to sin and actually takes it to the point of God hates sin. God detests it. it, it it's, it's nothing to do with God to the point that he hates it. He is separate from it. He is set apart from it. He is sacred, away from um, away from the sin which is which is, is filled, filling this world, and obviously the devil is the father of. 
Um, God is set apart from sin. Um, you could look in many different verses, but Proverbs 15, um, verse 9 and 26, it says, Even the ways and the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The ways and the thoughts are an abomination to God. So it, it, it gives you the concept that God isn't a part of man's ways and man's thoughts. You go back to Isaiah 55 and it talks about God's thoughts and God's ways being far above mankind because he is so set apart from sin. He has no flesh, sin, nature or anything a part of him. So everything about him has, has not got sin, different to sin. Um, <clears throat> like I was talking about in the Old Testament about, about the holy of holies and the priests um, and, and about being all about, about God's holiness and how um, they were to walk in once a year, the high priest was to walk in, why was it that they, um, I think they talk about putting bells on the bottom of their feet or, or a rope? It was because if he walked into the presence of God, unworthy, unholy, uh, uh, unable to stand before God, um, because of God's holiness, he couldn't have that there. And they would then drop dead and dragged out. It just it, God's holiness is so prominently shown, even in the Ten Commandments. Um, and like I said, the laws and the feasts, it is, it is such a thing of God is separate from sin. Now, if you turn to Leviticus and chapter 11, <clears throat> Leviticus 11, verse 34. Leviticus 11, uh, sorry, 43. Leviticus 11, 43, it says here, for I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore for sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. The Lord here, God, Lord God actually speaks about his holiness, and about his holiness is, is talking about being separate from the unclean animals. And this is where we can see the concept of separation from that which is unclean. God is holy. He's separate. He's sacred. He, he's, he's set apart and he's sinless away from these things that are um, of the world. But when it comes down to it, what, what does God's holiness actually mean for mankind? What, what does it mean that God's dealings with mankind is just and righteous? And like I said before, his wrath comes out of his holiness. The fact that, the fact that God um, is, is, um, pours on his wrath upon mankind and the fact that he is a just judge and the fact that he is righteous. Let's actually look through a couple of um, verses within the Bible about the, the way that he deals with mankind because of his holiness. If you turn to Psalms, Psalms chapter 11. Psalms 11, verse, verse 4 to 7. This talks about the, um, the, the punishment for the wicked. Psalms 11, verse 4, it says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, snares, of, of snares fire and brimstone in a horrible tempest, this shall be the portion of their cup. This is talking about the punishment for the wicked, and it comes from God's righteous, uh, from God's holiness. 
129, Psalms 129 and verse 1 to 4. Psalm 129, 1 to 4. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth. Many Israel, um, from my youth, many Israel now say, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plough upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous, he hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. This is the fact that, that God will vindicate his people. His, his holiness and, and, and his dealing with mankind through his holiness, like from his holiness, his righteousness, means that he will vindicate his people. <clears throat> uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is God's justice as an outworking from his holiness that he will forgive sins. God will forgive sins. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 9. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 7 and 8. This is the fact that God will keep his promises and it's out of his holiness that he keeps his promises. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 7 and 8 says, Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram and brought us him forth out of the air of the Chaldees and gave us him the name of Abraham. And found, found us his heart faithful before thee, and made us a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed, and hath perform, performed thy words, for thou art righteous. God's righteousness um, says that he will keep his promises. And the last one I'm just going to look at is in Hebrews and chapter 6. Hebrews and chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, For God is not unrighteousness to forget your work and labour of love, which ye have showed towards his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. <clears throat> this is that God will reward the righteous. God will reward the righteous. Now, his holiness upon mankind, what does it actually mean for us? The fact that he is holy. Well, Romans 6.23 we all know this one very well, for the wages of sin is death. Let's stop there. The wages of sin is death. God's holiness calls for justice, calls for the just deeds of, of sin. God will um, justly reward the deeds of mankind. And if, our, if, the, if, if the wages of sin is death, that means we stand before God with all his wrath upon us. That means we stand before God guilty. We know we're guilty. We stand before God as sinners, um, and it calls for the for our sin to be dealt with and judged. <clears throat> uh, Romans three twenty three, as we know, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all know that we can't stand before God um, in our own righteousnesses because we are guilty, and God and God's holiness calls for justice. God's holiness calls for justice. So, which means that <clears throat> um, God, we stand before Him. We stand before him damned to hell, basically. We stand before God damned to hell. And this is why we can't discount God's love. This is why we can't discount God's love. God's holiness calls for destruction of the wickedness, calls for the deeds of mankind to be dealt with rightly. And we have sinned against God. And the sin, the wages of sin is death. But because God is love, and this is a king attribute of God as well, 
and we can't take it away. It says a verse like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Romans 5.8 talks about but God commending his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners. So, so even though, yes, God is holy and, and he he's pours his wrath upon mankind for, for, for our sin, he's also a God of love and that's why he had to make a way. He had to make a way so that we can be saved. His love for us... Um, like I said, don't ever take it away from God that he's a God of love. If you take away God's love, you actually get Calvinism and many other false doctrines because God's love caused him to die for all mankind. From the beginning, from, from when Adam was born up until the last person ever, ever, ever born, God died, sent his son to die for all. And we can't take that love away from God. That love is so very important. Does this mean that when Jesus came onto earth that his love and his, and, his, and his holiness just basically, you could say, hit heads and that sometimes uh, justice needs to work, but uh, just work, no, no, no. It's like this. It's like perfect harmony. And the perfection of the harmony that worked was at, at, uh, uh, of, in its essence was when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. His justice caused for sin to be punished. His holiness said sin needs to be punished. So sin was being punished. But yet his love caused him to send his son to die there. And so this was where justice was at work and God's love and grace and mercy was at work and it just worked in harmony one with another. And that there is where we basically see the working in, in its entirely, in entirety of God is being holy and God also being, being love, uh, loving us as well. And we can't take away either of these things from God. If we take away one or the other, you, you won't get the God of the Bible. You won't get the God of the Bible because he did love us. And yes, he also is holy. So when someone comes up to me and says, why would a loving God send people to hell? It's such a foolish question. It's because God is holy. He doesn't, he doesn't have anything to do with sin. He hates sin. Sin isn't a part of God to the fact that sin needs to be punished. So if someone wants to ask that question, why would a God send, send, send people to hell? Well, then they don't know the God of the Bible. He is holy. <clears throat> God is holy. We can't take this away from God. <clears throat> so my question to people who can't accept that is, is why won't you take the gift of salvation that is laid out before you because of God's love? God is holy, but God is, is full of love too. And he, the end of that verse in Romans 6.23, uh, 6, um, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There you go, a verse that has holiness and, and love in, in the one verse. Um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> and <clears throat> if we were to just stop there, we could praise God, we could truly praise God, that he sent his son and that he is a holy and just God. But it comes down to a serious thought about thinking about what does God's holiness mean for us as Christians? God is a holy God. God um, showed his holiness and his love on the cross of Calvary so we can be saved. But what does that mean for the Christian? What does it mean for the Christian? Well, just like in Leviticus 11 that we read, it also says in Peter, it says, Be holy for I am holy. God is holy and we are to then follow his footsteps and be holy ourselves. Now, the difference between God's holiness and our holiness 
is that God is holy. He is. It's in his essence, he is holy. But we strive to be holy. It's, it's a work of sanctification in our lives continually that, yes, we are at salvation. We are declared righteous before God, but we're not perfect. We are not perfect. And that's why there's sanctification towards the end of, obviously, glorification, one day when we get to be in heaven. But sanctification is the process of holiness becoming more like God. <clears throat> now, if we were to take over the same definition I used for holiness of God, we can actually use it to say what our holiness should be like too. The three things I stated was sinless. God is sinless. God is also separate from sin and God is also um, sacred. Sacred, sinless and separate from sin. <clears throat> but too often, too often we fail miserably. We fail so miserably, miserably because we don't see the God of being holy. And we don't get the concept of holiness in our lives and we then undermine God's holiness. And as we try to strive towards holiness, we're striving towards something we don't know what it truly is. The fact that God is sacred means that we need to, ha to, to lift God up in who, in who he is and, and see him as a sacred thing as well. We need to have God up on a pedestal so high that we have um, a fear of God. The... the, the, the Look at, looking at the, um, at the sacred, God being sacred, it's actually more of a reverence towards God. It's, we need to revere God. And this has to do with fearing God. God, we need to fear God. It talks about the fear of the Lord many, many times in Proverbs and Psalms, having the fear of the Lord. And this is basically knowing who God is and knowing how he stands so high and mighty above us and us then being able to look in the mirror and actually then drop to our knees and say, God, like Isaiah said, woe is me for I'm a man um, of unclean lips and, and a man undone. I have nothing that I can in of myself offer to God because of his holiness. Now, if you'd like to see um, the opposite of, of the fear of the Lord or of, of the, the reverence and the holiness we need to have to God, it would be desecrating God. It would be desecrating him with, with things that we do. Um, if you want to have an example, we could look in, um, in churches that desecrate the things of God. One would be putting somebody up, up here and proclaiming him as such a great guy and yet he may not even be saved. He may not even be saved. And yet, and yet you see this in churches all the time. Who did they put up in the, in the mega church down in Sydney? They put Justin Bieber up on stage and he sang godly songs and praise unto the Lord, and yet he himself is such a wicked, wicked man. That's what you would call desecrating God. That's what you would call the opposite of having a fear of God, being able to be so frivolous with God and who he is that you can just throw anybody up on stage. And there's so many more things that you could look at. You could look at the, this, it's like having a, a dance performance, a sensual dance performance, and, and saying that this is a part of our worship to God when we know that, that we are to, to be pure in, in the things that we do. We aren't supposed to be um, flaunting ourselves about like this. And yet that happens in churches every single week, all the time, and they say this is giving glory to God. No, that's desecrating God, and that's throwing him down as something that's not sacred. <clears throat> the children of Israel did it many, many times. <clears throat> they brought into the temple... 
um, other gods. How could you have anything more, um, more, dis- more disgusting and desecrating the God than having a temple? Well, guess what? We are temples of, the, of, the, of God as well. This church talks about in Corinthians, a church is a temple as well. And if we bring things into here or into here, into our lives that desecrate God, we're basically saying we don't see you as being the holy God that you are and, and we're pushing aside the, the, the ability for us to strive for holiness <clears throat> because we're not putting the things that are sacred about God up where we should. <clears throat> now looking at sinless, now I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I'm never ever going to get to a point if I ever do um, if any of you hear me say it, I need to be put in a box or put out my misery. Um, if I was to ever say that I don't have sin in my life, because this, the, the, the sinless perfection, is a thing we still have an old nature. We still have the flesh that we're warring against. And we can't ever be right or be, be perfect in that sense because of the old fle- because of the flesh. But yet the scripture does talk about being perfect. And it talks about a spiritual maturity that is about putting away sin, confessing our sin before the Lord and not having it a part of our lives. That's what, that's what being sinless is about. And obviously we're striving to have no sin, but we're never going to get there until we get a glorious body that doesn't have this flesh that keeps dragging us down. <clears throat> Praise God for that. <clears throat> There's a verse in Psalms which says, uh, regard it not iniquity in the heart. Now, if we regard iniquity in the hearts, our Lord, the Lord will not hear us. <clears throat> now, if this was talking about iniquity or sin in general, that means I could never talk to God. I could never talk to God. But regarding iniquity in our heart is having iniquity or sin as a thing that we give attention to all the time. Now, if we are continually giving that before the Lord and falling down before God still has sinned again, and we do it, we do it over and over again, and unfortunately, we always do it. But yet... God forgives us and you know what we can have victory we can have victory over sins in our lives uh, in our lives and I praise God for that but sin is a thing that's going to always be a part of us but we can strive towards the perfection that God talks about perfection not having the sin a part of us now separate this just leads on to all of these could be you could be talking about them all together but being separate if God's holiness and hatred for sin is so a part of his nature that he just can't, he's apart from it, then we, yes, in this world, should also be having the same sort of attitude about sin. We should not allow sin to be a part of our day-to-day walk with the Lord. <clears throat> we are called to be holy. Yes, we're in this world, um, but we don't need to be of it. We don't need to be of the world. And... and <clears throat> Too often that's what happens, is we allow the world and the theories of the world, the, the, the things that we hear on, on whether it's the radio, television, all these things, they corrupt our minds and too often we then become part of this world where we don't need to be a part and we shouldn't if we want to be um, what we are called to be holy like the Lord, like God is. Now so we're often called ambassadors in the word of God, ambassadors. Now, it would be a very foolish thing for an ambassador to go to a country knowing he's not from that country and all he's doing is representing the country and basically to then get residence, to get a job, to then uh, become a part of that country. He doesn't then become a representative out of his own country. He, he goes there being a representative. A representative. And we, 
are ambassadors from, from heaven. This world is not my home, just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And we need to have this as our concept in our lives that we aren't to be part of this world. But yes, we know we're of this world. <clears throat> and this is why we need to be pushing away the things that so easily beset us in our Christian walk. And we need to be um, um, not having things in our lives. You know what this, this actually calls for? I think separation and sacrifice should go together hand in hand. Because if we want to be separate from this world, we have to sacrifice. Um, it's, it's just a known thing. If you look at any of the men in Scripture, you look at the great prophets of the Bible, they sacrificed something. It's usually friends. They usually sacrificed even, even the ability to be a part of, uh, have, have people around them. They, they always sacrificed something for the Lord. You look at Daniel. He, he cared not for his life. He sacrificed his life. He sacrificed so much. And yet he stood up for God in a wicked and perverse world. You look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were men just standing up saying, I'm gonna, I don't care about my life because we know we need to be separate from this world. We're not going to bow down to this idol. And because of their separation, God honoured that. And, and look what happened. A miracle, uh, a great working of the Lord happened. We'll go more onto about this sort of thing on Wednesday night. Um, we'll just touch on it a little bit on, on Wednesday night, just look a little bit uh, more into it. But <clears throat> the, it's important that we treat God, um, we, we, we revere God for, and, and treat all of his attributes for what he truly is. Obviously getting him from God's word. Obviously getting, allowing God's word to teach us through the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord teach us about God, allow us to know who he is. And this will change the way we live our lives. It will change it because God <coughs> will direct us in a way that's, that's pure, that's, that's holy and upright for him. And it, will, and it will change us in a way that's different from the world. <clears throat> Praise God if you're, if you're doing this already. Praise the Lord for it. That's great. Um, but um, thinking about going back to false teachers, going back just to, to what I was talking about in the beginning, and allowing a foothold for false teaching to happen. If we don't keep the concept of God and who God truly is um, within ourselves, within our church, we will then start slipping in ways we, we, sh we shouldn't. And we will then allow all these things to come in. And before long, we'll be just one of the worldly churches that you see around everywhere these days. <clears throat> Keeping your perception of God is so very important. Let the Bible say what it truly says. If God says God is holy, look at the holiness of God and allow it to work in your lives and then the way you treat others within the church. And it will spread within the church and standing up for things of the Lord as well. If God is a God of love, well then allow that to work and see how he works his love towards mankind and allow that to be working in you. Then you'll be working in the church, loving one another, sacrificing your, yourself for one another because of the love of God and so on and so forth about all the attributes of God, um, if you have a right concept of God, we then should be able to start with having the right concept of ourselves or the right concept of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and all these other things. And that is how, that is the first step of not allowing false teaching to come within the church by first knowing who God is and what he expects of us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word and what it reveals to us, Lord. Lord, I want to just um, 
ask that you will help every single one of us here tonight, Lord, to be able to um, search the scriptures and find out about the God of the Bible. Put away the concepts that the world has about God and be able to get a true, um, our true thoughts and, and, and true view of who God is, Lord. We just don't want to um, be a people that <clears throat> brings anything, Lord, into our lives and into our church that's not of you. Help us to strive towards holiness. Lord, I also want to pray if there is anyone here today, Lord, who is not standing under, under the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. And Lord, if there's anyone here who is unsaved and hasn't asked the Lord Jesus into their hearts to take away their sins, I do want to ask, Lord, that they will, these people, Lord, will see that they are just standing under the justice and wrath of God to come. Lord, please pray that they'll make a decision tonight to be saved. Lord, um, thank you for your word and just dismiss us now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.